The Doctor is in with Dr. Wendy Walsh. Gary and Shannon show. Brian Seed filling in for Gary and Shannon. KFI AM640 more stimulating talk. Dr. Wendy's here, not at 1.30, but here at 1 o'clock. It's a little earlier today. And uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to have some kind of sexy time discussion, but, <laughs> but there's a very real psychological question, I think, today, of all days, uh, seeing this nationwide 10 a.m. walkout. Mm-hmm. And I'm... Uh, so I want to talk about kids and, and consciousness and things like that. But you and I were talking about the thing that kind of piqued my my curiosity was we're playing a story here on AM640 KFI, more stimulating talk, where you do a weekend show on Sundays, uh, and a third grader had walked out. A mm-hmm. third grader had a sign, and a third grader had walked out. And that my daughter's in third grade, <clears throat> and... I, I see some of these things, things like there was that Republican National Convention where that parrot, that kid, I think it was a Mitt Romney now, uh, year, it was that 12-year-old with a suit and tie doing his little Alex P. Keaton thing, regurgitating the Constitution, just like I could when I was 12. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the hell it so meant. So is your question, do they really understand what they're protesting? And uh, Yeah, because a 17-year-old, of course, in, in the 60s, you were a year away from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And, I get, that, and now I get. they're a year away from voting. Yeah, uh, and, and, and so... So, yeah, with the younger ones, I mean, obviously, they're really their brain development is such that they're susceptible to being brainwashed by one side or the other. They don't understand maybe the historical details, but they have reached the stage where they can become skeptics. Remember with little kids, you can do that funny thing where you think they're going to take off their nose and you put your thumb between your forefinger yeah. and the next one. and go, I got your nose. I got your nose. And they laugh and touch their nose. Their three year olds do that. Four year olds do that. You can't do that to a third grader. You can do it to Chris Little, though. (laughs) It still works with him. Right. So they get a little more skeptical and they start to question more. But but they're children, so they're susceptible. My thinking is the more we educate kids on all sides of the issue without terrifying them, because there's the other piece, too. I mean, we don't want children to think that a gunman is going to come into their particular classroom this afternoon if they didn't walk out this morning. Yeah, and that's that is another thing that I'm <clears throat> I, I hear a lot of you know pretty inflammatory language like epidemic and things like that. And and my daughter asks about this. Mm-hmm. And last year Sergeant Steve Owen was killed in in Lancaster by a, a, a dirtbag. Her school was locked down. Okay, eight miles away from where he was he was killed, but still yeah. right. And and she asked about that, and and in her and she said that she told her friends when they told the kids to get back in class, her first thought was maybe it's two coyotes, maybe there mm. maybe there's a coyote uh. alert. You know, they didn't tell the kids. Uh, well, you know, you're being locked down because they don't tell them. No. And, and what I got from that is my, my my daughter can handle the truth. If they had said a police officer lost his life and the bad guys on the, on you know the line, she would have understood. Yeah. No, they that she gets. They can understand, and I am not opposed to children becoming conscious about national issues, political issues, as long as they're educated on all sides of it, and and they can articulate it, and yeah, and that they're not overly, we're not using huge fear tactics and creating anxiety and depression in children. But, yeah, because I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not, I, I, if my daughter says, if my wife and I are talking about Prop Forty Seven. 
And my daughter says, what's Prop 47? I just turn to her and I say, it's Jerry Brown's attempt to kill us. Oh, that's terrible. That's what it is. <laughs> that's where I'm getting that's, that's the end state anyway. That's not how I mean. And, 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 and so that's that's her short answer for that. You know, when, she'll under, when she understands the criminal justice system and parole and a felony versus a misdemeanor, you yeah, know, but you know, know what, more. Dad, you can take the time to explain what all those things I, are. And I, I definitely can. Yeah. I, and, and, and I can't. Uh, and, and let me say this. And even when we're talking about some common sense gun regulation, how about talking about to even our eight year old? Do you think, you know, this the kids that are walking out believe that you should be 21 to own a gun, that if you have a mental illness and you can't make good decisions, that you shouldn't be able to own a gun. And if somebody complains about you that you might be a threat, they can temporarily restrain your ability to own a gun. I mean, breaking it down into these simple terms for kids and then say, but there are other people. I had to explain her what HIPAA is. You know, I, I said because of HIPAA. And Sometimes she said, well, I don't understand what HIPAA and she is. Goes, well, what, you know, uh, how come a crazy person can have a gun? I go, well, because of HIPAA, because we don't have a right to look at someone's mental health records, even though you might be driving on a freeway right next to someone with no business driving a car because they might be crazy. I have no right to know that because I still I maintain that as a parent. I need to know who's in my kid's classroom, but yeah. HIPAA says I can't. And as you know, as a psychologist, if you have a problem, a 14-year-old, and you're really concerned about him, you can't even call their parents. Well, here's what I think, is we need to destigmatize, I'll get it out, mental health. Because the truth is, having a mental illness should not cause any more problems in your life than having... Uh, cancer, than having a bad flu, than having chronic back pain. Uh, We should understand that it's mostly a physiological condition and like physical illness can be uh, enhanced by the environment or suppressed by the environment, right? Uh, But it's the stigma is what we've got to get rid of. And here's the thing. It's none of my business what you're on. But when you stop refilling that prescription, now you're society's business. You know, when you're Elliot Rodger. And the psychiatrist cannot call his parents and say, Elliot has not been refilling for three months. And I, I want that psychiatrist to almost be a mandatory reporter, like a nurse or a teacher, and call the state confidentially and say, the following patient, blah, 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 isn't refilling. And by the way, he bought a gun. You know, that's, and that's where, like, for, for my daughter, I, I, you know. This is how about, we could actually predict. Yeah. And, and this is where I tell, I tell pro-Second Amendment people, you better listen to what I'm saying and accept that because you don't want to hear option B. Um, option B is, you know, movement towards a total ban and all that. So I do. I talked to my daughter about uh, about because you know, it, in my third grade these days, there are lots of boys who are displaying, you know, they're acting out and things like that. But I did it in third grade. Well, the teacher took I me out to the hallway. Every and, young boy has sort of a little bit of natural ADHD. There. They've yeah. got more testosterone. They're moving around. They actually have trouble sitting still more than girls yeah, because of the kid. testosterone. Yeah, exactly. But that doesn't mean they're going to buy a gun and be a killer. I mean, we also need to talk about moral teaching. And by the way, most mental illness doesn't onset uh, until college age, you know, yeah. after high school, college age. Um, but Or you know, when they stop taking them. Or, yeah. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, we don't well, want to abruptly stop taking psychopharms. And so when, when we come back, also development of empathy, because mm. there's a secret weapon. When we come back, I'll tell you my secret weapon for developing empathy. Oh, I'd like to hear it. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Gary and Shannon Show. Dr. Wendy is in with us until 1.30. KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Monica Ricks with the news.
Oh, wait a minute. I was kidding. Hey, show of hands. Who wants to put your hand down, Wendy? Who wants to win money? I oh, can't. my hand's up to I'm not allowed. Who wants to win? Your chance to win $1,000 is coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Toothache? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. 888-640-SMILE. Keep listening. KFI M 640. More stimulating talk. If you're looking to win some money, listen up, darn you. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. W-I-N, everybody. Answer the phone. Even if it's, uh, if it's from a number you don't recognize, your next chance to win is next hour. You can win $1,000 an hour, once an hour, at 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. Dr. Wendy Walsh is here. Gary Chen, show Brian Suits, filling in. Uh, yeah, and so so um, this is the thing that I fear, especially from young boys, uh, you know, on, on some of these drugs is that in many cases they, they don't learn empathy. Uh, and it's I think it's harder for boys to learn empathy than it is. Well, I think males, <clears throat> males in general have less empathy and compassion yeah. than women because think of it's it. It's We evolved from this. Hunter gathers. They had to be tracking an animal, looking him in the eyes and not feel sorry for them as they got yeah. the protein for us. And that's why I would issue every six year old boy a puppy. Um, and so like is my, that your trick for growing this, empathy? My my secret trick because i I gotta say it's not like my wife and i sat down and said oh let's produce an empathetic uh girl but but as she's seen the cycle of life you know the dogs get older and then Mm -hmm. they die the chickens are born from an egg and then the coyote eats them and all that (laughs) she she has really learned empathy then i have to say my personal uh revelation here is that i grew up in a not very empathetic household my dad Mm -hmm. was an air traffic controller world war ii vet navy corpsman in okinawa a very cold uh, Oedipal reference here. Um, I loved him. Uh, he loved me in his own way, uh, mm-hmm. but I literally don't remember hugging my dad. Yeah, it was a different time for men yeah. to express affection and to my, their sons. It was hard for my mom because she was bedridden. She had MS, and so I didn't really grow up in a huggy, uh, the you know, household. When I got a dog, when I was out on my own as a young man in my twenties, and I got a dog, Buddy the Schnauzer from Modesto. Suddenly, I had this thing. That no matter what I did, loved me, mm-hmm. and I and I, I couldn't ignore him. I couldn't leave him alone at home. I had to take him with me everywhere. Yep. And, and I developed and and my girlfriend at the time uh, on like our second of three breakups, she noticed. <laughs> she said, "You're he is making you more empathetic," and so that's why I ringingly endorse. Animals for kids. You know, there is a study that was done in Toronto with delinquent teenagers to try to teach empathy and compassion. And what they did is they put them in preschools where these kids are not super verbal and they asked them to watch their faces, expressions. They taught them how to give names to feelings and working with toddlers. They were actually, and I would think they're actually growing parts of their brains where when they were toddlers that weren't, yeah. didn't grow in them, you know, because they weren't given the kind of emotional literacy that we need to give our kids. Even just language. You know, one of the simplest things we can all do for our children is when they express a feeling, don't dismiss it. Don't say, go to your room, come back when you change your attitude, which we love to say because we want these happy, well-behaved kids in our eyeline and nothing else. But instead, give it a name and don't try to fix it. So if the kid is crying and you know why, you can say something like, I I see you're really feeling disappointed that you weren't invited on that play date. That can feel terrible. And just leave it at that. 
and let them process it because now their feeling has a name. Or if they're angry, I see that you're feeling really mad that I didn't let you go to that party and you're feeling like an outcast. I'm sorry you're so mad and I still love you. Yeah, and right. and and, uh, and 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 letting them know, hey, guess what? Bad stuff happens, and so that's that's why you know the down. But not only just happens, but we are allowed to the time and space to process it. Yeah, to grieve, to get angry. No, anger doesn't have to turn into behavior. We're not allowed to kick walls or kick the cat, but that we can use words to talk about what we're feeling. And I think parents are so busy. First of all, parents, many of them weren't even given that kind of emotional education by their parents, so they don't have the tools to be able to give names to feelings. But secondly, we're just so busy going 100 miles an hour with our schedules that we just want happy, compliant children. But to get happy, compliant children, you need to teach them how to manage their feelings along the way. Yeah, and that's, that's why, like I say, of the valuable experiences in life that I look back on, you know, death of our dachshund Fritzy. Uh, you know, was was one. But my parents tried to make it better immediately by going out and getting a new dog, you know, whatever. And so I I, I, I think it's really important for the kids to have, for every high, you have to have a low mm-hmm. or else there's no context. To process it. Take yeah. time to bury the pet and say some prayers over it and spend some time grieving and feeling the sense of loss. Not just show up with a repl- replacement pet the next day. Yeah. Like your feelings are supposed to just be happy. Also, I think many people don't understand that we are supposed to, as human beings, experience a rainbow of emotions on a regular basis. And being able to tolerate those emotions, some of the more difficult ones, of course, are shame, embarrassment, uh, fear, rejection, but also joy, happiness, surprise, and learning how to be aware of our feelings, tolerate all of them, welcome all of them, and don't let them turn into negative behaviors, but instead go, oh, that's what's going on with me. I'm feeling a little depressed because X, Y, Z happened. Okay. If I wait, it will pass. It will. We don't have to do anything about our feelings. And it was interesting in Bosnia and Iraq dealing with kids. Uh, I did this thing called Boots for Suits where people mailed me rubber boots because kids were walking around barefoot in mud puddles and all this. Mm. And seeing kids who had in, in Iraq, seeing kids in Bosnia that had survived, you know, depravity. Such hu- trauma. Yeah. With a, you know, a human, some of the darker chapters of human history in the past, you know, 100 years or so. And seeing how they wanted more than anything to play basketball. You know, that, that you couldn't pry it out of them. If it, As Americans, we were sitting there saying, well, you know, tell me what happened there. And they would say, well, tell me about Michael Jordan. Tell yeah. me about, do you have a Bulls t-shirt and all that? And they, and I don't know if you, what you call it in psychology, if they were trying to forget it, but they couldn't forget it. They were surrounded by the aftermath of it, but they wanted us to give them basketballs. This is the human desire, urge for survival. And psychological survival is in times of trauma, let's focus on what's good. Let's focus on happiness. And they weren't victims. None of them came up and said, give me a basketball because my parents are dead. I do want to say something. I'm so glad you brought up the V word because victims to me is one of the most common identities that way too many Americans, you know, wealthy, affluent. When I say wealthy and affluent, I mean a roof over our heads, a bathroom and three meals every day in our lives. This is wealth compared to the rest of the world, everybody. And And so, yes. And so... So many Americans self-identify as being a victim, like the systems against them. You know what life is? Life is a series of problems to be solved. And every day when you wake up, you should say to yourself, hmm, I wonder what problem I'm going to be presented with today. You're not a victim. 
You're just a human surviving. That's all that is. Yeah. And the world doesn't owe you. You do owe the world because you can make it a better place by being more proactive, being uh, more pro-social. You can make the world a better place that comes right back on you as a positive thing. But the world doesn't owe you anything. <clears throat> all righty. By the way, Baby Animal Bracket, what's your nominee? Oh, I got I wasn't listening. Who's in it? Well, you nominate. You, you tell me. Oh, What's any cutest, animal that I think animal? is the cutest. Ba- I'm really into the baby elephant still. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't think a baby elephant mm. was on there, was it? Oh, I love I, them. I thought it was. It has to be. Yeah. Because, yeah, those really are adorable. Yeah. And the way they work in the in the family and all thing. All right, Dr. Wendy Walsh, uh, Sunday's here on KFI. From 4 to 6. And we'll uh, be back right after this. Brian Sinsfilling and Gary and Shannon show KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. <laughs> By AM six forty more stimulating talk at the Gary and Shannon show. Brian sits filling in for Gary and Shannon. I'll be back tomorrow. Gary and Shannon will be in for Bill Handel. This will probably be uh, the way it is for the rest of the week. And so Gary and Shannon doing a great job in the morning. And so we uh, Justin Warsham will be in uh, tomorrow talking about how to dad uh, and how how uh, how to uh, that and more. What are we going to talk about tomorrow? I forgot. <clears throat> but I sound like you've seen the show. So we have. Uh, uh, half an hour to go. Looking at Trump is in St. Louis at Boeing doing a roundtable. It's one of those things where they, they go kind of like the thing he did with his cabinet where everybody goes around the cabinet. Remember that about a year ago and everyone talked about how awesome it was to work for him and uh, be in, in the cabinet and the whole thing. And that's kind of what this is. But you know, every president does this. But, you know, whatever. The um, mugshot of the day, and I don't know if this is his driver's license picture or or whatever, but a, a teacher in Texas. Here's a here's a modern day fail, you know. But by gal, we we don't know. Maybe thirty years ago, you were being taught by an absolute complete freak in in high school. But it's just so much easier to be caught these days. An English teacher in Texas was arrested after authorities said pornographic pictures popped up on his laptop. A screensaver during class. The teacher at Chapel Hill High School in Tyler, Texas. Um, Tyler, Texas. Who's from Tyler? Uh, Was busted after deputy. I know. There's a. eh. Anyway, he was busted after deputies from the Smith County Sheriff's Office got a tip from the school's resource officer that a teacher there had displayed several nude photos to students on Monday. And here's what happened. As the images appeared, several quick-thinking teens took videos of the smut slideshow and later reported it to school officials. His computer, which he tried to take back from the school resource officer, was later seized as evidence. Investigators found a, quote, large amount of pornography, close quote, including images that matched those captured by students' videos in class. A deputy said it appeared Perkins' computer was configured to display photos, including porno images, that were stored in an album on the device. So he had that screensaver where you tell it to look at a particular album, like all your dog pictures or your kids' pictures or whatever, and just do that slideshow. And oops, he had he had his own. Yeah, he had a he had a a folder. Why I, why would he need a folder of that with the internet in 2018? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know Question. what I mean? I mean, I'm not. You know, I do not. I, I, well, maybe those were his favorites, guys. And it's like, well, what's that folder? I don't know. Is that a TV station? That's my document. W A N K. Is that a radio station? I don't know what that is. Let's look in there. 
Oh, <laughs> awkward. This guy's mugshot, we'll put it on the page, but his uh, glasses say it all. Yeah. Those big glasses. That's like, I yeah. Oh, you did put it up? Okay. What's well, yeah. going up? A yeah. bald guy with gigantic uh, wire rim glasses. That, so, is, that, that, that is like the number one job. Uh, look, folks, I know you all love the troops and you support the troops, but let me tell you what the troops are doing on the flight back to the U.S. They're scrubbing their laptop of porn. Oh, my God. Does this surprise any? It should not surprise anybody. <laughs> You stop in Shannon, Ireland, you jump off the plane, you have four Guinnesses in, in quick succession, get back on the plane, and you continue scrubbing your laptop of the year and a half worth of smutty images that you have collected on your laptop because you don't want that. You don't want your wife to open up the laptop and see what you've been doing um, you know, on the other side of the world. Side what, note, were you trying to think of saxophonist Neil McLean from Tyler, Texas? No. Ty, um, Tyler, there's some famous uh, tackle football players uh, from there. The, that's why a very, very popular dog tag in the Army and Marine Corps these days is a dog tag that on the bottom, instead of your religion, it says, delete my URL history. And that's, that's also a very popular tattoo uh, these days, as well as excellent advice for, you know, absolutely uh, everybody uh, out there. The... Um, the death of Stephen Hawking uh, is being marked around the world. The, uh, the I guess, agreed smartest guy on earth ever, uh, or at least uh, in our lifetimes, died uh, earlier today, early today in the, on the 14th on Pi Day. At the age of 22, he was given only years to live after being diagnosed with ALS, and he uh, lived to the age of 76, so uh, 54 years, beating Lou Gehrig's record. And they're not, they are... Uh, don't think it was a contest. I'm just saying, <laughs> he might have been a competitive guy. You think that's what he was going for? Uh, yeah. And, and you are correct. In in Great Britain, it, it was never called Lou Gehrig's disease. ALS. It's always ALS because who's Lou Gehrig? You know, and all, but then again, um, I have, you know, I have no idea who, uh, you know, Philip C. Measles was. But we call it. You don't measles. know who that is. No, we call it measles here in the United States, <laughs> and, and he was a very, very a prominent uh, British uh, cricket player. That's why we call it huh. the uh, the uh, the measles. Uh, the George Lucas billion dollar museum in Exposition Park is going to break ground. This is cool. The Lucas Museum of Narrative Arts in Exposition Park will begin to take shape Wednesday. L.A. officials and filmmaker George Lucas will be on hand to break ground on the $1 billion museum. Man, I'll, I'll tell you what. As a former resident of Modesto, he sure washed his hands of that town. <laughs> like, I don't even know if he visits. I mean, American Graffiti is supposed to be set in, in Modesto, where he grew up. And I, to my knowledge, he's never set foot back in, in Motown. But anyway, and I guess they don't need a uh, destination in, in Modesto, that town's booming. But anyway, this is going to be here in L.A. The museum will house works by painters such as Edgar Degas, Winslow Homer, Pierre-Auguste Renoir, illustrations, comic art, and photography by artists such as Norman Rockwell, Maxfield Parrish, and N.C. Wyeth. Also, storyboards, props, and other items from popular films. It will be a barrier-free museum. That's the, their words, barrier-free museum. So I'm predicting larceny. Uh, where, quote, <laughs> artificial <laughs> artificial divisions between high art and popular art are absent, close quote. That I like. You know, I mean, I, 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 I don't 
know what the French think of DC Comics, but you you grow up and art is what moves you and appreciates you. And and I'm I'm a huge fan of comic art, and I I have no problem framing that. I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I have an option of like having the Mona Lisa. I'm just saying, uh, looking down your nose at popular art just because it's popular. Uh, so good for you, George Lucas. So that we even have an opening day. This is gonna be like a two year construction thing. Uh, anyway, so it's a billion-dollar museum, um, and it'll be uh, really neat. All right, when we come back, uh, I'll take another pass here at uh, Javier Becerra. He has 20 more minutes to uh, – 15 more minutes to call in. We were respectful. I just want to ask about the California gun thing, plus why are walls medieval technology and other stuff right after this. It is the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Forty more stimulating talk. This is Gary and Shannon show. Brian suits filling in for Gary and Shannon. I'll be back tomorrow, and I need to extend a hearty thank you to the Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom for making my point for me about twenty-three minutes ago. Uh, my my point being, on a day like today, I don't care what an eight-year-old has to say about the Second Amendment. Okay, if you're going to stick a mic in an eight-year-old's face about the Second Amendment, why not stick a mic in a nine-month-old face about abortion uh, or tax reform? Uh, there's a great reason we don't allow eight-year-olds to vote, because their brains aren't developed. They don't understand the issue. Yet, here we are in L.A., and we have audio in one of our stories of uh, a third grader uh, who went out. So anyway, Gav... On the tweeter machine uh, about 24 minutes ago, retweeted a KPIX Channel 5 story in the Bay Area. That's the uh, something Wong, We Too Low, Peng Ding Al TV station. Gavin tweeted out, this is Leonardo Aguilar. He's just eight years old and was the only one to walk out of his second grade class to protest gun violence. Leonardo, thank you for your courage. We're also inspired by kids like you. What a pandering son of a bitch. Listen to the, Here's what happens when you stick a mic in an eight-year-old's face about school shootings. Here's what you get. So tell me about what you're doing today. I'm protesting for the Florida, Florida shooting. and um, So what did you do? I made a poster, as you can see. Poster says, guns are cruel, not cool. And I came here. So, yeah. Why did you feel so strongly about this? Because guns are not safe and people get hurt. And and teenagers shouldn't bring guns to school. Do you feel safe at school? No. Is that why you're here? Yes. Thank you. Stay right there, Leonardo. And they show the poster again. What did you think he was going to say? Do you feel safe at school? Hey, hey, uh, Alex, I'll take leading questions for 200. Son of a bee. I mean, uh, and just to square the circle on this, if there was a pro-Second Amendment protest out there, I wouldn't let my daughter participate in it. I wouldn't. No matter how awesome... Uh, her poster was. I would tell her you you just fly until you can explain to me how the 
Constitution of the United States, the process via which it's amended, you can't do that. Because, you know, guess what? Eight-year-olds, by the time you're eight, you should know that death sucks. Okay, I get that. And do they have a right to protest? Of course they do. But, I mean, I, are you going to register your kids to vote? Should we let eight-year-olds vote? It's, it's, it's exploitive. And though Twitter corrected what I wrote and said exploitative. So I just said, you're exploiting this kid. And, and that you would endorse that and as a lieutenant governor. I mean, that, that is really the lowest of the low, to hide behind a kid who absolutely clearly doesn't understand the issue. He, he understands peril and safety, I, I guess, maybe. Um, I, I mean, a real good question to ask might have been, why don't you feel safe in second grade? B- because you're more likely to have lightning hit you than be killed by rifle violence? I, I, I don't get it. But this really is uh, Channel 5 KPIC's report uh, right now. So tell me about what you Gavin Newsom. Retweeted them. Doing today. I'm protesting for the Florida Florida shooting, and um, so what did you do? I made a poster. As you can see, guns are cruel, not cool. And I came here. Oh, well, good for that. Let's pretty much uh, put you in charge of the commission to amend the constitution. I, you know what? I'm going to go home today, and I'm going to have my daughter make a poster protesting high speed rail. Okay, and I'm going to put it on Twitter, and I'm just curious if Gavin will retweet that. My my daughter has no understanding of the issue of Prop 1 from 2008, putting a bond before the people and funding high-speed rail. She's got no clue. She just hears what me and my wife say, that it's moronic. It's idiotic. It's a waste, absolute waste of money. That's what she knows. When I was eight, I paired it with what my parents said. And, and you know what? My, my parents were barking liberals. My, my parents voted to reelect Jimmy Carter in 1980. That's how liberal they were. My mom was so – Deborah Mark, my mom was so liberal. How liberal? She was a freaking Canadian. That's how liberal – she was an American citizen. But my mom was born a Canadian. That's how liberal she was. And, and they were dyed-in-the-wool Democrats, <clears throat> Jimmy Carter Democrats. And I parroted whatever – Whatever they said, I parroted at the age of eight and nine. And I, like I said, the Republican National uh, Committee a couple of years ago when they had the 12-year-old up there parroting patriotic values and all that, I, I understand that's indoctrination. And I believe in indoctrination. I, I, I believe that at the age of three, uh, the pilgrims and the – we teach our kids that the pilgrims and the Indians sat down as uh, brothers and sisters and enjoyed the, you know, the whole thing. I'm going to break the news to my daughter – about the genocide of Native Americans probably in about five or six years. Um, you know, the, the truth there. Uh, but it's important for kids to have the yes or the no. Are we the good guys? Yeah, we are. But it's complex. In a couple of years, I'll, I'll tell you a little more. But for right now, yeah, we're the good guys. But but this, I, I just, I cannot denounce this loudly enough. And I don't know who's worse, KPIX for doing this, Channel 5 for doing this, or Gavin Newsom for retweeting it. So tell me about what you're doing today. I'm protesting for the Florida Florida shooting. Yeah, no, you're not. In fact, you're not protesting for more Florida shootings, as it turns out. But Gavin saying this is little Leonardo, and I salute you for walking out on second grade. So you're getting a little taste of what the Gavin regime is going to be like. So again, again, everybody, Villar, 2018.
Villar, 2018. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, well, I'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Gary and Shannon are going to be in for Bill Handel again tomorrow, and I will be here at uh, 10 a.m. for Gary and Shannon. John and Ken are up next. Uh, thanks to Blake, but really way more thanks uh, to Nick Viverka. Um, and uh, a whole lot of thanks to Monica Ricks. And we'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. KFI AM640, more stimulating talk.